You're listening to the Independent News Hour on WBAI 99.5 FM. I'm your host, John Tarleton, Editor-in-Chief of the Independent, New York City's lefty newspaper and website. In our final segment this evening, we're going to get a report from Albany from Assemblymember Marcella Matanias, who represents Sunset Park and Red Hook. She's one of a cohort of socialist, of now six socialist lawmakers who have arrived in Albany uh, starting in 2018 and more so last year in, um, in, in 2020 and 2021. And she has helped uh, shake things up uh, in Albany, uh, I'd argue for the better. And now she's ready to begin uh, her second year in the state assembly and is going to share some of her priorities with us today. Uh, assembly member Matanias, welcome to WBAI radio. Thank you so much for having me. Great. It's great to have you back on the show again. Um, so uh, before we get into uh, current events and, and, and developments in Albany, uh, looking back on your first year of service in the in the state legislature as someone who was a tenant organizer who won this uh, you know big upset in Sunset Park, uh, what did you and what did you learn about Albany in serving in the state assembly from your first year up there? Um, thank you. Um, it was a little bit difficult um, in the sense that because of COVID and because of the pandemic, we were all logging in remotely. Um, it really didn't give us an opportunity to like talk and meet and the very intimate conversations that happened in, con- in conference also were difficult to do. Um, but one of the things that I learned was, um, you know, folks may not agree with you on one issue, um, but that doesn't mean that you can kind of like put them in a box and say, you know, this person is not someone that I can work with. Um, I was pleasantly surprised on how folks, um, how there were some issues that I can work with and talk to on folks. And so I think that was, um, that was great. And I'm really looking forward on the opportunity to really build on those conversations and really make connections with people and figure out what it, what are the things that unite us and what things um, are we aligned on so that we can move that type of legislation and also gives me a little bit of insight on you know, why maybe they don't support something else that I do and, and figuring out how I can kind of like have conversations around that. Right. And, and do you feel like you, your socialist caucus, the four of you in the state assembly and two others in the, in the, in the state Senate, that uh, the way you all are uh, uh, aligned together, like you all have a, a an impact or maybe even a, a larger than expected impact just by your, presence? I think that it took me a little bit of time to realize that we were having a positive impact, Um, not just as a a caucus and a body of the six of us, but even within like our individual chambers, I think, Um, particularly in the assembly, um, talking about legislation, there's always, um, sometimes there's fights about what can get passed and what can't, and a lot of it has to be based on you know, the money that's available to fund some of these programs. And I think that for a really long time, folks were kind of used to fighting with each other um, about, you know, what they can and what they can't do. And I think that um, we're kind of helping them see that we don't have to fight with each other, that we we can actually legislate and we can actually pass um, bills that are going to transform people's lives and that we are aligned in that way. And, and 
So I'm hoping that there's there's more of that. There's maybe a little bit more political courage and in, into what we can what we can do as a body. Okay, and so uh, switching into the present moment, uh, Governor Kathy Hochul released her first uh, state uh, executive budget today. Uh, your, your reaction to to that and uh, how much it does or does not address your priorities? Yeah, so I think the two main things um, I'm focusing on, on as well as an array of other things, is really the excluded workers fund mm-hmm. and ensuring that there's additional funding for the applications that have not been processed, and also looking at this as a long term, um, a long term program so that people can tap into unemployment benefits. Um, I thought it was interesting that when she first uh, became governor that she said it was important for her to get this money out. And so I was waiting um, to hear, but there was there was no mention of excluded workers. Um, specifically, she, she said something about no new programs. So I took that as she's not, you know, she this is not a priority, which is very concerning. And I think that for her to release her budget, um, today, the 18th, uh, you know, right after we have, you know, Martin Luther King holiday and right after the moratorium expires was also very, um, very concerning. She mentioned um, some money for, for housing, but there aren't any details. And I know that right now there's people that are hurting, there's people that are scared, and there's people that are going to be impacted. And, and so for, for us, um, to not act and not do anything, whether it's whether the solution is to extend the moratorium or actually pass legislation that's going to help folks stay in their home and, and give them more protections. I, I was very I was very concerned. Yeah, let's talk more about the end of the, the moratorium, the statewide eviction moratorium ended mi- uh, Friday midnight. It's estimated there's more than 200,000 households in New York state that are at risk of eviction in the middle of the winter, no less, uh, with the Omicron variant surging. Um, Your thoughts about that? And also uh, a good cause eviction. Uh, I I know there's people that are advocating strongly for that. It's actually on the cover of uh, this month's Independent. We uh, delved into into that some. But your thoughts uh, on what the governor uh, did? why she did it and you know whether you can pass good cause eviction this this spring well i think we need to remember that we live in a capitalist society so there is a priority of property owners and their rights over tenant rights um so i'm i'm really concerned because we do have small property owners that do uh, provide affordable housing that also need assistance and help um, I'm not sure what her priorities are, how um, she's going to handle this, but certainly if we're at the point where we're letting the eviction moratorium expire, um, there's a lot of people that are going to be in danger. Um, one thing we're not talking about is the fact that this is also ab- impacting tenants that live in NYCHA, who already, when they apply for the program, are being put at the end, meaning um, once the funds are given out to people that applied in regular housing, any money that's left over, they're going to, you know, they're going to process the applications for NYCHA. But we know that there's no more money. Um, we know the moratorium is also geared toward homeowners and ensuring that they're not, they don't lose their homes and they're not foreclosed on for something that, you know, you know, nobody, nobody caused this. This is something that, that happened that we have to deal with. And I really, truly believe that the government needs to step in and provide. And so, 
if they're allowing the moratorium to extend, there are other pieces of legislation, good cause being one of them that we can pass to help people and protect them to stay from their home. Um, so the good cause bill actually allows for um, a moderate increase, right? Landlords cannot arbitrarily raise their rent, but also landlords have to give a reason as to why they're starting, why they want to evict the tenant. Um, and so those are two things that are game changers in my district in particularly, and we can talk about something hard. We do have a lot of rent-stabilized housing. We also have Section 8 housing, but we also have a lot of like small buildings and uh, two and three family homes where we've had folks living in their 10, 15, 20, 30 years and are suddenly being evicted or are getting a, a huge rent increase that they can't afford, which forces them to have to leave. And, you know, a lot of them don't understand why this is happening now. And the truth is, you know, our neighborhood is being gentrified. And, you know, once they lose that affordable housing, it's very difficult to find something else that's affordable. You're kind of forced back into the market rate. And it's only a matter of time when you fall behind on that too. And so what we're doing at a time that we had the highest numbers of homelessness now impacted with COVID you know, what What message is that sending? And so that's very concerning, but it's not just a good, um, the good cause bill that we have. Um, there's another piece of legislation that would actually give, um, it would be a type of rental assistance, a rental subsidy at the state level. And this would be particularly focusing on people that are immediately facing um, displacement and also helping to try and get some of our, some of our folks out of the homeless shelters as well. So there are options and there are things that we can do, but my concern is the gap in time between we actually do it and pass it and the fact that the eviction moratorium has expired. Right. Now, uh, in uh, other news, you were uh, arrested last week at a uh, Build Not Burn climate uh, rally outside of Governor Hochul's Midtown office on uh, 3rd Avenue and 40th Street uh, last Wednesday, I believe. Uh, can you talk about why you did that and what your concerns are with uh, the governor's climate policies? Sure. Um, I'm very proud that the state had passed historic climate goals with the CLCPA. Um, but unfortunately, it's been three years later and we haven't transitioned as quickly as we need to. Um, there is currently um, only 6% wind and solar. And that's just not good enough. We need to be able to, to really make sure that we're moving in the right direction. And my concern is the fact that, you know, we're giving, um, we're giving uh, assistance to corporations who's, who are, you know, responsible for uh, turning a profit. Um, and so they don't really have um, people's best interests in mind. And so that's concerning as well. Um, and as we speak right now in my district, you know, we have a um, Norwegian offshore wind company um, that's going to be building renewables. And so I think that we have the opportunity to act as government and we should be doing that. You know, we have the ability uh, to give uh, NIPA the power to expand. So just to be clear, you're you're happy that there's um, the offshore wind uh equipment being built in your district? Yes and no. I'm glad that we're moving in that direction, but my concern okay. is allowing a corporation to decide um, 
how fast or what impact we have against climate change mm -hmm. is something that concerns me because at the end of the day, they're responsible to their bottom line. They're responsible you right. know, to their investors. And so this is an opportunity for us to show that the government will put people over profits. Right. And we have to go in a minute. But one other thing that I think has been interesting about um, your time in office is that uh, you and your staff are not only doing a lot of constituent service, but you, as I understand it, you you then try to uh, engage the people that you're, you've helped to become politically active themselves. Can you briefly describe that? We have about 30 seconds. Sure. I think that what I've noticed is people are just disengaged with government and don't understand the way that it works because they don't feel that government is working for them. With the assistance and help that we've provided, and I can use the Excluded Workers Fund as a good example, um, you're you're reinstating the trust that people have in government. But it's also, it's not, it's not just me going into chambers and passing legislation, right? It really takes a movement um, of working class people to really change the the landscape of, of albany and so that's what we need to do and so what a great opportunity for folks that also that were able to receive the funding from the excluded workers fund and also those people that applied that weren't able to get the funding to kind of work together to really build this movement to influence government in the way that it needs to and actually pass these two, two additional legislation one is the additional okay. funding that is needed and making this a long-term program sorry great all right. Well, thank you for sharing that with us. And uh, thank you, Assemblymember Marcella Matanias, Democratic Socialist from Sunset Park, for joining us again on the on WBAI Radio. Thank you. You bet. All right. So we uh, we have to go now. But one more reminder, 212-209-2950. Become a WBAI buddy, 212-209-2950, or give number two, WBAI.org. Help keep us on the air. Uh, thank you to... Reggie Johnson, our board operator, uh, producer Amba Gagarian. And we'll be back same time uh, next uh, next Tuesday. And we'll leave you with this song, Cherry Colored Funk by Cocteau Twins. <laughs>